your tired and bring your shame Bring your guilt and bring your pain Don't you know that's not your name and let's just pray. Father, we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you this morning that you are a healer, you are a deliverer. Lord, uh, you, you are just our all in all. And yet you've called us for a purpose on earth. And I pray this morning that assignment, Lord, nothing will stop that assignment for our, from our life, for our life in Jesus' name. So Holy Spirit, you take charge and, and we just surrender to you right now in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. And, um, you know, just because God's so good to us, can we just give him a good praise right now? Just, just really, 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 really give him a good praise. And then, um, Shane, are there still these, some of these? Uh, I just want to know, if someone wasn't here last week and you didn't get our little bookmark with our seeds, uh, just put your hand up and you'll get one quickly. Is there anybody who didn't get? You see, this is how we find out who was in church and who wasn't. <laughs> So you busted. <laughs> now keep your hands up. You definitely will get one. And um, um, yeah, eindelijk Dion, hier so a kit for you and your vrouwkie van Dylan was nie. Dylan was by kunne kerklaas weer. Ja, jy was hier, maar jy was daar. And and um, yeah, here's one up front. Thank you. And there's a reason we gave these out. Um, and, and the verses that are on them, because um, it, it, it was quite funny to notice that on, on the side where the watermelons are, no one recognized that as a watermelon seed. And I wonder how many of us had so far with a watermelon seed, but they didn't recognize it. And on the other side, I just thought for fun, you know, sometimes we are pumpkin. Hey? I, I put a pumpkin seed. And um, uh, what, what we were looking at is the potential that lies within us. There's a seed within us. And um, I'm just going to recap quickly so some of these scriptures won't come up. It's fine. Genesis 2.7 said, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust. Like I said last week, if someone says, Ach man, you just dirt, you say, I know. Because that's where you came from. But God breathed his spirit in me. Amen? And... Um, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath or spirit of life, and man became a living being. We have the life and the DNA of God in us, and we need to see this. Genesis 1.28, um, I love this verse. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. <clears throat> so he says, giving us all authority there, and all its vast resources in the services of God and man. And I often wonder, do we really use the resources that are around us to bless man and God? But God has actually said that's what we should do, so that's also in our DNA. And um, we've all got gifts and we've all got resources. I just said last week, don't put people in boxes. Amen. Uh, and, and King David is a typical example for me because King David knew his gifts, he recognized his abilities, and that's why he could use them. If we don't recognize what they are and we, and we don't identify with them, how can we use them? Um, who knows King David was more than a psalmist, a songwriter, and a singer? Isn't it funny in the world today if someone's a musician, we say, oh, they're all weird, you know, these arty people. And yet he was a warrior, and he slew Goliath, and he didn't only do that, he killed the lion and the bear. So watch it when you look at someone that you don't decide what they are, who they are, amen? And don't let people do that to you, all right? And um, we, we, we also looked at Joseph, and we normally say Joseph's gift was to interpret dreams. Well, there are only a few mentions of Joseph interpreting dreams, but Joseph noticed, it says in Genesis, he noticed that the, 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 the two men, um, the baker and the butler, who'd been the, the, the king had put in jail, he noticed they were downcast and down, and they were sad. So Joseph had a sense of compassion. And so Joseph said to him, but what's wrong with you? And then they told him, and through that moment of Joseph interpreting their dreams, got him to the palace to fulfill his assignment that God had given him. So sometimes when you fulfill your assignment, it's not always easy sailing. Hello? Would you get that this morning? 
I want you to get that. It's not always easy sailing to fulfill your godly assignment and destiny. All right? Paul knew he was apostle. Every man has got gifts. And, and we need to use them. And we need to see them. Now, I'm not going to go on too much um, about last week. But I want to recap one thing. There are three areas that I gave you that can prevent you from discovering your assignment, the seed in you. The focus of others distorts our personal awareness of our gifts and assignments. When your families or relatives or school teachers or whoever have told you you're no good, you won't make it, you can't do this, you can't do that, you tend to start believing it, and then you become like it. And be careful that the second point was don't admire other people too much. Because when you admire someone so much, you want to be like them. And actually God didn't create you to be like Mr. A, he created you Mr. D. Amen? Are you with me? So watch that. And then find out what you're good at and then use it and start doing it. All right. Um, and then just two, two comments. Pursue quality people in your life. See who you connect with. Let those people speak into your life and you speak into theirs. And secondly, make your time count. Every second, uh, Tish was saying to Pastor Darby and them, she said, we need to realize Every split second, every second counts. Because you don't know if we've got the next one. We need to make the most of our living, amen? The most of our time and our resources. So when we come to this morning, I gave you these two scriptures. Uh, the, the one where the um, pumpkin seed is, where I will praise you, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That is something you should get in your heart. Who of you here this morning really believe you've been fearfully and wonderfully made? Father, I wish you'd turn the fire on here. Yeah, you need to give God an applause for that. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise Him for that. <laughs> Something you should praise Him for. And, um, and, and He goes on to say that He saw our substance, but yet... In, in the last thing it says, and in your book they were all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. God has fashioned days for you, and you need to find it out. The one where the watermelon seed is, it says, it is, this is from Job in his situation, and I'm, I quoted that especially because Job went through a real, real rough time, didn't he? It is the Spirit of God that made me, which has stirred me up, and the breath of the Almighty that gives me life, which inspires me. So unless we, we spend in time with the Holy Spirit, unless we spend in time in the Word, we don't get inspired. Now, about these little seeds. Who of you have seen the size of some watermelons? <laughs> Huh? And how many of you know this watermelon plant produces many watermelons? Huh? Comes from something as tiny as insignificant as this. So you know, when the devil comes to tell you you're tiny and insignificant, you can say that's what you think, but watch what I'm going to produce. Amen. You see, people are good at telling you you're not significant when yet God says He has value on you. Now. The thing about this little seed, and even the pumpkin seed, now we've, we've my, my wife loves gems because she's a gem, and um, we're starting to get gems growing in our garden. I can't wait to see the first ones, but it came from a few seeds. But they put in an area, and that area is called soil. Amen? And you put it in, that little seed goes in soil. And then you press the soil down, Nochal. Huh? And then you wait. I remember we just got married and we had a beautiful little cottage in a place. It was called Cottage Place. And we made a little garden and I planted seeds. And every day Tish would go out. And three days later she says, nothing's happening. They must have died. I said, it takes time. You don't plant a seed and tomorrow, poof, you know, there you've got daisies. And so what does that seed got to do? That seed... When it gets watered, it swells. Then the roots, those soft, tender roots, have to push through that hard shell. And then what it's got to produce has to start pushing its way through the soil. Ladies, if you thought childbirth was difficult, check a seed. 
And then when it comes up, it grows slowly, and then there's the weather, then there's the storms, then there's the hail, then there's the wind. But what happens? It continues producing. Because as I said last week, there's an invisible inscription on every seed for their assignment. Plant a million watermelon seeds, you'll never get a tomato. And God's put a seed in your life for your assignment. And are you studying his word? Are you in his presence to find out what that assignment is? And it doesn't matter how small and significant you feel, you might feel you are. God has put a seed in you. He's put a gift in you. And what are you doing with that gift? What are you doing with that seed? Amen? You see, we want life easy. (laughs) I'm sure... I speak not just for myself here, but I'm sure most of you and some of you might be very holy and say, no, I'm fine with problems and battles. But most of us don't like battles and problems. Hmm? But I want to tell you, unless you go through those battles and problems, you'll never start producing something because that's how God works. Now, where's my, where's my, my, my warfare man, my knight? Ha. Huh. You, 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 you see, today, the Queen, or Prince William, very pompously knights someone because they've had uh, 100 platinum discs sold, or they've done something on Broadway, or they've ballet their, balleted their way to heaven, uh, or, or whatever. Uh, uh, that wasn't original knighthood. Knighthood was here. Knighthood was on the battlefield. Knighthood is when someone proved themselves in battle and the general would come and he'd say, Young man, you've proven yourself in battle and you fought well and I'm going to knight you. You see, you see, today we want the titles and the brass plaques and we want to tell everybody how good we are with no battle. You're never going to get anywhere. Because life's a battle. Saul spoke about things he's been through. I know to get to where he is today, the battles he's had. I know some of you have had battles too. And you see, what we do when we have battles, we stop worshipping God, we stop thanking God, we stop praising God. You see, knighthood came out of the battle. And I believe with all my heart, God is looking for some spiritual knights. We will face the battles And go through the battles so they can become what God intended them to become and fulfill their assignment. You see, we sometimes look at God and it's preached and teach. God's a God who will bless and prosper you and he'll give you this and he'll give you that. It's sort of God is a type of Father Christmas sometimes. He'll come and he'll just, you know, here we go. You know, you want a Mercedes here too. Boom, you know. Uh, And if we don't get it, we get discouraged. But that's not God. How many of you know, <laughs> and, and I want to tell you, this is, these are some of my favorite things this morning, and, and I believe I was talking about your assignment last week and the assignment you got in seed and, and knew where this was going before we heard of Tish because God knew we were going to go through a battle and he's going to say, do you remember who I am? Who knows, besides God being compassionate and kind and loving and caring, who of you know God is a warrior? God's a warrior. He's a fighter. And you are his children. And you need to start getting up and fighting in the midst of your battles so you can be knighted. Isaiah, in in, in that great book of Isaiah, Isaiah 42 and verse 13, and it's by the time some of you brought your Bibles or looked on your phones, when last did you blow the pages of your Bible open? I, I should have recorded my wife yesterday. She would have sorted you out this morning. Okay? And, and in Isaiah 42 and verse 13, it says this, The Lord will march out like a champion. <laughs> I want you to start getting to see who God is. He's not... Fairy Godmother, the Lord will march out, and the word march out, like a champion, like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal with a shout, will you say shout? shout, he will raise the battle cry and triumph over his enemies, isn't that an amazing verse? Yeah, you can give God praise for it. 
I don't know what you're going through. And then I was blessed by what Dion said was just in line here. I don't know what you're going through. And sometimes we lose heart and we get discouraged and we get depressed and we do all this. You know what? Our God is a faithful God. He's worthy of praise, but he's a mighty warrior and he marches. Can you imagine God marching out into a situation? Huh? But you don't know my situation. Well, it says he'll raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. Amen. Isn't that powerful? And then in Isaiah 59, 17, just to give you another side of it. <laughs> I love this. Can you imagine God standing up and it says, He put on righteousness as his breastplate. You see why our righteousness is, even God puts on the breastplate of righteousness when he goes into battle. And the helmet of salvation on his head. Listen, church, Paul didn't say in Ephesians, put on the armor of God just because he had nothing else to say. If we are fighting a spiritual warfare, hello, we are fighting a spiritual warfare and we need to recognize it. It's not how many jacuzzis you've got or what car you've got or what this you've got or how the devil's attacking you or how he's robbing your family. You've got to understand we serve a mighty God. <laughs> And if he puts his righteousness on, you need to. And a lot of us, when we fight in our battles, we do not see ourselves as righteous. And when you haven't got that breastplate of righteousness on, the devil can send those arrows right into your heart, into your soul, where he likes. And if there's anybody here this morning who doesn't get up every day and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, I am righteous, you have already given the devil scope to shoot an arrow wherever he wants. Come on. Then don't come yama, yama, yani, and I'm having so many problems. And Did you put your breastplate on this morning? Oh, no. Well, then get another shot. <laughs> Let the devil get another shot at you. Let me tell you, Paul talks more in military terms than anything else. Most of Paul's writings are in military terms. If I, you know, I, want to, I want you to get this in your heart. <laughs> we are in war. And the devil wants to destroy, and he wants to kill, and he wants to rob. Amen? And unless we wake up, that we're not this little Christian who comes to us, all our worries and our cares. No, our God, our Father is a warrior. You speak to so many people, you have them interviewing these Navy SEALs, and they why are you a Navy SEAL? Or why are you in the Army? Because my father was, because his father was. Ach, you wet my alles, the Lord must bless me, and I must be fine. You need a size 9 somewhere on your blessed assurance. We're in a war. Now, if you don't believe me, let's go to Exodus. <laughs> now, they've just, they, 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 they've just come through the Red Sea. And the enemy's been swallowed up. The chariots have been buried. The water closed in them. And, and Moses sings a song. And, um, and, and, and that's up on the board. But, yo, I really want to read uh, some of this stuff here. And, and yeah, Moses is singing the song. Hmm? And part of the song says, the Lord is a warrior. <laughs> the Lord is his name. I don't serve a weak God who cannot be with me in my circumstances. Amen. I don't serve a weak God who can't sort me out and deliver me. Amen. Because he is a warrior. And I think it would be wonderful in church to see a couple of Christian warriors standing up, ambassadors of God, instead of nip, 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 nip. You're not going to be happy you came this morning. That's fine with me. Because maybe some, if you're not happy, then you need to hear it. And then it goes on to say, <laughs> listen to this, your right hand, just his right hand was majestic in power. Your right hand, listen to this, your right hand, Lord, shattered my enemy. Listen, your enemy comes and God just puts his right hand out. <coughs> Yeah, but I'm battling. Hey, God is a warrior and he wants you to rise up. He wants you to rise up. He wants you to see who's in you. He, he, he doesn't want you to want him to fight your battles. He wants you to fight your battles because he is in you. Amen? 
By the time we saw that. And then we go on to the first part of verse 9. The enemy boasted. I will pursue. I'll overtake them. Egyptians will say, we're going to overtake them. We've got the best horses. We've got the best chariots. I will divide the spoils. I'll gorge myself in them. I'll draw my sword in my hand and I'll destroy them. Egyptians were saying, we're going to finish them. We're going to take everything they took from us back. But look what it says in verse 10 and 11. <laughs> Moses says about God, but you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty. Can, can, can you get the, who have you saw the tsunami? Who have you been by the ocean and you've been knocked bolomakisis by a wave? Hmm? God didn't have to call the angels to help him and, and call on heaven and earth and try and divide that sea. He just went. Whew. How great is our God? And you know, we need to see this because we find in so many battles and we're giving in to, to depression and hurt and fear and failure and all this stuff when we realize we've got a God who just goes, Whoo. but you've got to recognize it. You've got to live it. Mm -hmm. What about Christ on the cross? Wasn't that warfare? Huh? Man, it, it takes a warrior to go through that pain and suffering and being slashed on your back and uh, nails through your hands and feet and a crown of thorns and your face battered by a whole troop of soldiers. That's a warrior. And he went through it for you and I. God is a God of war. You see, when that soldier, uh, Jan put my, 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 my young man being knighted there, and um, I was battling for a picture, and then someone got this picture and it excited me, and I'll tell you why. And I'll tell you why it excited me. It was just what I was looking for. Because I believe there's some young men who God wants to knight for service. But he wants to see you prepared to worship him in the battle. To trust him in the battle. Hello? <laughs> you see, you don't get a soldier who's wounded and hurt and say, I want to go back to mommy tomorrow. I'm hurt. No, he gets up and he gets his ammunition, puts in his gun, and he goes and fights. The problem with us today, we've got so many namsy pamsies, but most of the men haven't gone to army. Men don't know what it's like to go to the army. They don't know what it's like to say, and you run your feet off, and he comes and he looks, he says, and he says, and you, you run until you're just about dead. You don't know what it is to be push-ups until you can't push anything up. I will go to the mall. <laughs> and we'll go to Magampin and have some cake. I'll feel better. <laughs> we don't know what it is to fight. Huh? A soldier doesn't say, ah, <laughs> yo, those bullets were flying and my friend got killed next to me and my, 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 my Tommy in front of me, he got killed. And, and I just want to leave that. This is too much. Now he gets up and he has determination. He's going to beat that enemy. Amen? Are you this morning determined to defeat your enemy? Because I'm telling you, if you're not determined to defeat your enemy, your enemy is going to defeat you. And it's about time we had some straight talk. The church is victorious in Christ and through Him. Now, what is our war? <laughs> you might say, well, well, we don't have battles like that anymore. Listen, the devil's so clever, and that's why you need to know his schemes. You know the biggest thing he's getting at today? The biggest thing? We all know we body, soul, and spirit. Amen. And your spirit comes alive with God. But well, what is your soul? Your soul is your will, your emotions, and your mind. The Bible already tells us the battlefield is in the mind. So the devil plays nonsense with your mind. Amen? But you see, the minute we move out of the word and we look in the natural, we're already losing the battle. You've got to understand that.
Kirsty's just lost a dad. Not an easy thing to lose a father. But your focus has got to be what lies ahead for me now. Whether I move on, I've, I've got that DNA, what do I do? So what is our war? Let's look at 3 John, verse 2. And I'm going to look at it in, all, in three translations so you get the message. <laughs> in the NIV, it says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. All right? Next version, New King James, is it? Or is it Amplified? Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, just in case you didn't get it, I'll give it to you in the Amplified. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in every way and that your body may keep well, even as I know your soul keeps well and prospers. Church, the word is very clear. We body, soul, and spirit, and the one affects the other. Your soul is your will, your emotions, and your mind. And I touched on last week a bit of what can get to our emotions, what people have said about us, how they put us down, all these things. That is why you need to pick up your shield of faith. And the word says you pick up your shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Is that right? Do you know where the biggest area of warfare is today? And in the years of ministry, and as Charles says, helping people, counseling people, even outside the church all over, it's not well with their souls, your emotions. If the devil can get at your emotions and break you down, he's got you where he wants to. You see, you're going to say, well, how does he get to my emotions? People hurt you. People disappoint you. Mm -hmm. Through divorce, one party will feel aggrieved and hurt. Unforgiveness. I said unforgiveness. I said bitterness. You know, there's some of us sitting in church that don't even realize we're still bitter about stuff. And I want to speak to wives whose husbands aren't saved. You must be careful because after years and years, bitterness can come in. You'll start saying, well, I don't think anything will happen to him. And, oh, I've tried all this time. You, you speak in death. And you don't realize it's from a root of bitterness. Because you're bitter about who he is and what he's doing. Hmm? Unforgiveness. For those who've been with us a long, long time, you know the story that I love to tell of Minky, who was in our church. They then moved to Port Gita's Rus, whatever it's called today, I don't know, but may it us anyway. And she came, she was doing a banner for church, and she was doing gold embroidery on this thick velvet. So she was at her house after she dropped the kids at school. And she said, Yo, but my hands are so sore. And I said, it must be from doing all that embroidery. She said, no, you don't understand. Look at my hands. And she had such bad arthritis, you couldn't believe her hands. And in the morning, her husband would bring her a big mug of coffee, and she'd have to put her hands around this hot cup of coffee, and eventually with the heat, she could start opening her hands. And I said to her, Minky, have, have you got unforgiveness in your life? You see, and be in health. And immediately she braced up and she said, yes, and I'll never forgive him. I said, that's your problem. So Tish and I led her through the scriptures, and there my wife is very good at counseling the lady, speaking her through. And eventually, we got her to forgive this person. Now listen, this person had married her and was, had concealed that he was an alcoholic. And it got worse and worse in the marriage, and she was six months pregnant with twin girls. When he beat her up so and jumped with his knees in her stomach and beat her up so that she lost the twins. And that's why she said, I could never forgive him. We led her through the scriptures and through sobbing and tears and heartache and heartbreak. Remember, the word says, Jesus comes to heal the brokenhearted. But he sometimes heals the brokenhearted when he can do that when we've forgiven. And through much sobbing and whatever, she went away. 
the next morning, she was back at our door after the, she dropped the kids off for school. She said, I've got to tell you something. I said, what? She said, we prayed yesterday. She said, you know what happened this morning? I said, no, what? She said, my husband put my coffee down as usual. And he said to her, Minky, look at what you're doing. And she said, what? I'm drinking my coffee. And she said, as she said that, she realized she'd just taken her cup and she was drinking. It was gone. And she showed us one little spot that was still there. I said, come, let's pray that that goes. She says, no, that will always be a reminder to me not to harbor unforgiveness. Totally healed. And we've seen a lot of people with arthritis especially. But you see, I wish I had time, but, but we'll go through this over the next couple of weeks. Medically, when you have unforgiveness and anger and bitterness, it, it stirs up and your acids and alkalines go out of balance. And then you start getting things like arthritis and that. And we've had a few people that have been set free from arthritis just through forgiving. Have you really forgiven everyone this morning? Because if not, the devil knows exactly where to fire an error. Exactly where to fire an error. And he wars against our soul. You, you know bitterness. <laughs> I think sometimes we don't even know we've got bitterness. We say we've got unforgiveness. But the unforgiveness breeds a root of bitterness and we become bitter about stuff. And I want to tell you, if the enemy can keep you in bitterness, you will never get to be knighted. Because you'll never win your battle. Now the sad thing about people with bitterness is they don't even realize that when they speak, they speak in the bitterness and the anger. They will say something like, yeah, well, you know, yeah, no, I've forgiven my, my father and that, but uh, he was never there for me. The, the bitterness comes out. Can I tell you, if you're bitter about anything, you know the first thing you've got to do, and it's the first thing I had to do, is admit you've got bitterness. Confess, Lord, I've got bitterness about what happened in my life. I've got bitterness and unforgiveness about my divorce, about my kids who've gone off the rails. I've got bitterness about uh, my friend who passed away. I've got bitterness because I thought you're going to bless us financially and we're battling financially. I'm going to be bitter because there's sickness in my home and you promised us no sickness. I'm bitter and I can't understand God and I'm not going to worship you and I'm not going to praise you. And we don't realize we're in a battle where God wants us to raise a battle cry that God, you are the warrior, you'll defeat my enemies you will swallow up my enemy and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to praise you. Amen. Give him praise right now. <laughs> you see, if anybody had reason to be bitter in the Bible, it was Joseph. His brothers wanted to kill him. Then they put him in the well and then they sold him as a slave. And I'm going to tell you right now, and you can ask God in heaven whether this is right or wrong, but I firmly believe from my heart it's right. If Joseph harbored unforgiveness and bitterness, he would never, ever have been able to rule Potiphar's house with God's blessing and favor. And then when he was lied about, there was still no offense, no bitterness, no unforgiveness. He didn't try and plead his case that Potiphar's wife was lying, but he wouldn't have been able to because he was a slave anyway. But then he goes to prison. And those prisons were not nice. They're not like today where you can study and have a TV and you know, play games. But there's still no bitterness. Are you hearing this? He had reason to be bitter. And some of you don't realize there's a little root of bitterness about something that's happened in your little weeny teeny life that you think was so unfair. Realize God's put you through that battle to get you to the palace. Amen? Because if he hadn't proved faithful and he didn't get let go of that root of bitterness and unforgiveness, God could never have trusted him to be second in charge of Egypt and ultimately be the person who would feed Israel and get them out of the problem with the famine. Do you see your assignment in you, that seed in you, like a watermelon, it's going to have to go through rough times. It's going to have to push through hard things. You're going to have to get in the warfare. And you've got to stop. The, you know, can I tell you another thing about bitterness? Listen, you, you, you know what? 
Some of you need to go home. <laughs> well, yes, you will go home. I'm not going to keep you all night. But, but um, some of you need to go home. And you need to get a piece of paper, I should have brought one, with put, and put on my past. But some Christians are trying to move forward, but you're always talking about the past. I don't know why my divorce happened. I don't know why this one died. I don't know why that happened. I don't know why this one did. You know, shut up. Take your past, put it down and say, I have victory over you. You're gone and forgotten by the blood of Jesus and I'm moving forward. Amen? Come on. Listen, for years and years before I was a Christian, oh, I blamed my father and I blamed this one and I blamed that one. And you know, eventually when I became a Christian, I thought I've got one person to blame and that's me. You didn't want to hear that, did you? Because you have also had a part in what caused the unforgiveness and bitterness. Hello? And you need to sort that out. You need to repent of it. You need to get it out of your life. As jylle wakke vanochtend, anders jy gaan naar de preek. <laughs> On Sunday nights, I couldn't help getting a bit in with husbands and wife, and we nearly had a marriage seminar last Sunday afternoon. Every man who's married, will you stand up now? If you don't know you're married, for goodness sake, I'll pray for you. I want to speak to you and direct to you. You are the head of your home, but you are called to be head of the home and love your wife as Christ loved the church, which was dying for the church. Stop complaining about your wife. Stop praying for them. Start holding their hands. Start letting them know you love them and, and, and want to be affectionate to them. Even if you look at her with gritted teeth and say, that dragon? Huh? But if you're saying that dragon, you, you, you're lining up with hell and you're bringing condemnation into her. But she's not a dragon. She's been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And she's there as your helpmeet. And instead of having moaning about your wife, are you praying for your wife? Are you praising God for your wife? Are you thanking God, I'm going through this battle with my... Listen, listen, just and I have had times, eh? We've been married 43 years. But after seven years, I tried to strangle her. I did, physically, and she bit me that I've still got the mark there. Now you're looking and saying, I'm not coming back to this church. That's fine. But you know why I did it? Because men, we've got a little thing called ego. Hello? And yes, God's put it there. But unless you have died to your ego and submitted that to God, and your wife isn't feeding your ego, you're going to look at her as like she's a monster. You need to look at your wife every morning. And, oh, dear Lord, they look terrible in the mornings. The makeup's off, the hair's all over. I hope you all got your own teeth, but otherwise the teeth are on the side and you know all this. But, but, but you need to look at her and say, I am blessed with this woman. She's my helpmeet. I'm blessed. I'm going to bless her. I'm going to wash her with the word. Now, don't take your Bible and try and wash her. Wash her with the word means you speak the word over her. You are the warriors in your homes. And you need to rise up and do what God wants you to do in your homes. And you need to stand and you need to pray for your wife and you need to bless her. And when the devil comes, you, you, you know why the devil wants to cause problems between husbands and wives? Because it hits your ego, your emotions. And when that happens, you lose sight of who you are in Christ. And you do the most ridiculous stuff. So start seeing who I am. So I want every man to confess that it's married here with me. Um, I don't think you're getting off the hook here. Yes. I'm only getting married next week, so I don't have to do this. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it now. You're in this house. You do what the Father says. This Father. I want you to confess boldly. Thank you, Lord. I have a wife. That's a blessing to me. And I will bless her. And I will pray over her. And I will pray for her. And I will speak the word into her life. 
And Lord, change my heart. When I'm the gorilla in the house, let me see my faults in Jesus' name. And today, I want the devil to know that as the word declares, I will love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Now, ladies, give the Lord a hand for these men. You may be seated. If you can confess that and see that you're already heading towards knighthood. Now, every lady stand that's married. The men are smiling. Just no, no smile, demana. <laughs> I want you to tell you, the worst thing for a wife, and, and I've done this to my, to my wife, and I've had to repent, and we had to sort it out over the years, but praise God, we grow in God. The worst thing for a wife to do, If there's a fight or something because of who you are and you want security in your life and it's an emotional one, if something goes wrong in your life, you start feeling unloved. And when you start feeling unloved, you start feeling hurt. And when you start feeling hurt, you get depressed. And then you want to pack your bags and go to mommy. Can I tell you something? You will be hurt. And things will be said against you. But what are you going to do about it? Because you need to see that you are your husband's help meet. And that doesn't mean only when it's going well. Because if you be his support and you edify him and encourage him even when it's going wrong, you are doing something so spiritual that's going to break that thing in him. But God has created you. He saw that us men couldn't live alone. So you've been created with a special assignment to be these nutcases help me. Okay? But I want you to confess this after me. And I want you to confess it boldly. Father, even when I don't feel I'm loved, I know you love me. And I will love despite not being loved. And Lord, your word says that I must love my husband as I love you. Holy Spirit, help me to do that. And as from today, I'm going to love him as I love you. And we're going to see victory in Jesus' name. I'm created to be who I am. And I will live it out despite the battles, so there's victory in my home for your glory in Jesus' name. Now, men, give the Lord a hand for that. You ladies are awesome. You, you, you see, let me, let me just, just tell you something. Guys, hey guys, I've got five minutes, and I've still got a couple of scriptures. If you don't submit your ego to the Lord... you're going to have a problem because your wife isn't always going to boost your ego. She's got to work. She's got kids. She's got to cook for you. She's got to put your smelly socks in the washing machine for you. And then you know what you guys do? Hey, that sexy brunette down the road, she smiles at me when I say hello. Listen, that sexy brunette will give you a lot of gray hairs. Because the Bible says you to love the wife of your youth. And you know what happens? The sexy brunette down the road has got perhaps more issues. You see, we, we, want, we want God to send us someone from heaven, you know. Blonde hair, right statistics, blue eyes and all that. And she comes down to you and then you say hello and she says, Hello, how's it? Us men are so fickle. And you ladies want a knight in shining arm on a white horse to carry you off. And you're secure in his arms and you ride off to the sunset. Listen, when he takes his armor off, he's just as bad as your husband. Be careful. The devil gets in and his war is against our soul, our emotions. And if you're going to allow your emotions to rule, 
you will be defeated. What you believe in is what's going to happen. Amen? And these are the things that kill the seed to our assignment. And then the last thing I want to say, and we're going to carry on with this for the rest of the month, because I believe it's so important. Never stop worshipping God. Never stop worshipping God. Never stop worshipping God. Did you hear me this morning? Through what we're going through with my wife right now, if you hear me in my shower, you'd think, where does he come from? I worship God. I pray in the Spirit. I sing in the Spirit. I worship. Because it's not the situation that I've got to look at. And if God says no to my prayers, I still worship him for who he is. Amen? Amen? Now, and if there's nothing else, just remember that you can at least praise him that he loved you so much that he saved you from hell. When the disciples came back all excited and said, Lord, we've cast out demons in your name. We've done this in your name. We've done that. He said, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. We've got to rejoice. Now, Habakkuk gets bad news about what's happening to Israel. And, and actually, his, his, his heart starts to tremor, and his, I'm, I'm putting my own words now, and his pulse rate beats. And, um, and listen, these, these aren't with you, so just hold on. I heard, my, I heard he heard what God was going to do to the nation of Israel. And he said, my, I heard my heart pounded, my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come to the nation invading us because he knew that after that war, God had promises for them. Sometimes you've got to go through the war. And then these verses, the Bible says, were set to ecstatic praise music. In other words, it was rejoicing. And he says this in Habakkuk 3, and verse 17 to 19. And although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. Now, I want you to read this in the Amplified. Let's have a look at it in the Amplified. And it says this. Though the fig tree does not blossom, there's no fruit on the vines. Otherwise, not, nothing's happening. There's nothing in your fridge. Nothing in your pantry. Hmm? Okay. Though the product of the olive fails, what you're trying to do is just failing. And the fields yield no food. There's, there seems to be nothing happening. It's dead. Though the flock is cut off from the fold, and then there are no cattle in the stalls. Now, listen what he says. Yet, and that's a powerful word, yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt the victorious God of my salvation. <laughs> Just go into the next verse, can you? And then he says this in verse 19. <laughs> Man, Habakkuk knew God. The Lord God is my strength and my personal bravery. My invincible army. Are you getting this? This is who God is. He makes my feet like hinds feet and will make me to walk, not stand still in terror, but to walk and make spiritual progress upon my high places of trouble, suffering, or responsibility. What's he saying there? Listen. Doesn't matter what's happening, doesn't matter if I'm losing everything, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Church, a lot of us need to start rejoicing more in the God of your salvation, even though you're in the battlefield. Amen. Amen. Come on, praise God for that. He's your person. Can you imagine? He's your personal bravery. He's there right with you, man. You're not you're not some whimsy skimpsy thing left alone. Huh? And he'll make you to have spiritual progress in high places. I don't know what you're going through this morning. I know what I'm going through. 
I don't know what you're going through. But maybe you haven't said that word yet. Yet. Maybe you need to say, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. He's a mighty warrior. He's fighting for me. And then the verse we all know well, I want to close with this. Is Isaiah 60. <laughs> Arise. Shine. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now watch this in the Amplified. It's coming. Amplified's got more, so it takes time. <laughs> It says, arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Listen, you cannot allow circumstances to keep you flat on your face, keep you down. Why? He says, rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. For your light has come. Oh, listen to these words. And the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. Church, if you'll just see that the glory of the Lord is upon us. Amen? Amen. But just like Habakkuk, we're seeing things, but we're going to rejoice in the God of our salvation. And the devil's defeated when we do that. Amen. Woo! And, and then arise. Do you know what arise means? It's like that's why I wanted the picture of knighthood. Was that man is an ordinary man. And when he kneels and they put that sword on him, knight him, when he arises, he's a knight. If you want to follow your assignment, if you want that to do, you need to start arising and seeing the glory that is on you. Amen. I tell you what, you do that and the devil's gone. But you know what else happens? Your assignment can start right then. Was that seed God's putting you will start producing. Now, at my age, I said to, I said, talking to Tess the other night when she was awake, and we were chatting about stuff. And she said, We're not people going to see the word is the substance of everything. I said, when we stop being babies, hmm? the next person that comes to me for a nappy change is going to get one, well, none, never mind, one hand of blessing upon them. Because I want you to arise. I want you to stop letting the devil keep you down there. I don't care what your circumstances are. And you say, how can you say that? No, you don't know what I've gone through in my life. Yet I will choose to praise the Lord. He is the God of my salvation. Bring your tired and bring your shame. Bring your guilt and bring your pain. Don't you know that's not your name? You will always be much more to me.